The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back. Thanks again for joining us again today as we are going to finish out the book of Matthew today as we have been studying through this now for quite a while, walking through the life of Christ according to Matthew's gospel. And we are going to finish. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 here in just a moment as we come to the very end of uh, this gospel. Again, as you look at different gospels, different endings and how what they include, and do not include, Book of Luke is a lot more detail of the time between his resurrection and ascension. So we've encouraged that kind of study would be great. Uh, I'll let you know, uh, tomorrow we'll pick up, I'm going to jump into the book of Jonah. Uh, it's a smaller Old Testament book, and uh, we're just going to take a few, uh, couple weeks and dig through that. Uh, some of the things that we can learn and some of the symbolism, some of the connection to Jesus, all of that in the book of Jonah. So that'll be uh, tomorrow, and we'll pick up on that. If you're following along with us, we are in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read in verse number 16. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so one of the things you see, what we're looking at is what many call today uh, the Great Commission. Jesus is about to be ascended. He's about to go up into heaven to be uh, connected with angels. He's going to go permanently, um, let's say permanently, he'll sit at the right hand of God in a human form. He, uh, he is God. He is everywhere. But that he will know his... his earthly ministry was going to completely end. He would no longer physically be on earth in that form, so he was going to leave, and he brings up his remaining 11 disciples. Obviously, Judas Iscariot's no longer there, and he brings them up, and he gives them what we now call the Great Commission. Uh, I want to challenge you on something on this. Uh, We're just going to kind of unpack it and break it out in just a moment. But I want us to understand something important. A lot of times we look at the Great Commission. Uh, here's a couple of things that I can think can happen in church. I think, number one, we can look at the Great Commission and see that makes sense for pastors. They're paid to do this. Or uh, leadership in the church, of course, they're, they're paid to do that. Um, people with the gift of evangelism, they're paid to do that. What we are going to look at, while it is given to the 11 apostles remaining, the premise was they were to go out and begin to establish this young new church with this as the model. They were to do it and then train it. And it's something, uh, the Great Commission is not ever anything done that one or two people do and you see the results. The Great Commission is frankly a picture of the church loving on the community, reaching the community and growing. It's the whole church. And when we say the church, we do not mean an address or a staff. We mean the membership, the congregation, the body, the people who make it up. Okay, simply put this way. When we look at the idea of the Great Commission, it is a command to me, it is a command to you. Uh, It's not always an easy one to follow. We can become nervous. Here's my thing. Uh, There are multiple ways. Uh, If you've been following along with us here at Grace the last couple weeks, we're going to talk about this again on Sunday. There are multiple ways to be participating in the Great Commission. My challenge to be is to find one to make sure that you're are doing this, because it's one of the greatest, I mean, it's the last thing Jesus says when he sent, it's an, it's an important thing. But let's look at all the, what, what, what's entailed 
in the Great Commission. All right, so he says in verse 18, all authority has been given me in heaven and in earth. So the first thing we see is the authority of the Great Commission. It's not found in a pastor. It's not even found in a church. Uh, it's not found in a denomination. The, pa- the authority is found in Jesus, which he would then give us the Holy Spirit. The simple premise is authority has been given by God. Uh, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts the church. Uh, so our authority, when we go out, we are going in the name of Jesus. We are not going out in the name of a pastor, in the name of a church, not of a movement. Uh, we are going out in the name of Jesus. And that's an important aspect to catch on to. Uh, we not only go out in the name of Jesus, we go out in the power of Jesus. And so here's an important part of the Great Commission. When you're hoping to reach somebody, a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker, however it may be, Please understand, it is not your responsibility to do the converting work. It is your responsibility to be the master of Jesus, to develop a relationship, to love them, and to work towards witnessing to them. It is God's responsibility to prepare their heart for this. It is God's responsibility to open their eyes to this. It is God's responsibility to bring salvation. They need to accept it, but God is the one who does the convicting work, and that is important for us to look at. So we go in the name of the power of God. And then in verse 19, he says, Go therefore, because of that, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. So he starts off with saying make disciples and then baptizing them. So he's talking about, by the way, I believe, I like the way it's worded here, I believe there's more to it than just somebody uh, being a Christian or saying a prayer. He's what I mean by that. Um, I believe with all my heart you can you know, get saved, and a lot of times that's about all you do. We, sometimes we call it fire insurance. I think Jude even says, some saved, yes, so is by fire. Uh, there is a part, a lot of people who will probably end up in heaven, but really in life did not follow Jesus. Uh, I'm not saying that our works establishes our salvation, but I will say that what he's asking us as churches to develop is not just people who acknowledge Jesus exists. He's asking us to create disciples, and a disciple is one who says, this is who I am, I believe this, and I'm going to follow Jesus. We're to desire create people who are active followers and disciples of Jesus, not just people who sit in chairs and pews in church, but people who are active followers and disciples and servants of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been asked to make. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, and obviously we see the authority, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, baptizing them. We do it by immersion. The word baptize really just means baptizo. It's from the Greek word. This means to immerse. That's how we do it. And that baptism, by the way, is not uh, to gain salvation. It is a testimony of your salvation. You do not get baptized saying, this baptism will help me gain salvation. You say, I have been saved, and so I baptized in testimony to that. Then here's an important part. Verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And I and remember... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I love he he finishes with his presence that what we're doing. If we're doing it, he's with us, uh, which also means Satan's going to fight us. But here's the part we catch. I want to see, teaching them to observe all things. There is this part, and, and there's a new, I don't want to call it a movement, but it's becoming a movement in our generation. The reason I don't like calling it a movement, it's really just churches going back to God's design. And they're calling it the discipleship model. Uh, For years, and this is true, for years there's been a model in churches, and it's been churches all the way in the last century to modern churches where a big outreach deal, get people saved, get people coming in, saved, baptized. And by the way, huge important thing, wonderful thing. But there's been lacking in the fact that once they get there, there has been little to no discipleship. In their teaching, it's been a little bit shallow. They never disciple the people. They don't train them. They don't mentor the next generation at all. So what you find is now we find a list of churches that are struggling because they never mentored the next generation. They might have been saved, but there was no 
strategic plan to disciple and mentor. We skipped, a lot of times churches have skipped teaching them to observe all things, discipling them. This is a command. And by the way, the first couple are not necessarily, we're going to witness, it might take us weeks, months, years to get around to uh, being able to give, for them to accept the gospel, baptism takes place. But the discipleship process takes place from that moment up to the day they, they, they meet Jesus. I, it's not just one class for seven weeks and they're done. This is a process. This is what the church... So when I, when I say that the church, many churches have gone to a discipleship model. Please understand, a discipleship model is not, an, is not a lack of outreach. Really, the premise is, is you disciple people, they will then multiply themselves. I believe that's really how Scripture has said it. Uh, in fact, in Ephesians, the Bible says that God has given the church, you know, it started off with prophets and apostles, now it's given them pastors, teachers. Um, why? Evangelist teaches why? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. A lot of time we split those two, but grammatically it's one phrase. For the perfecting of, maturing of the saints, really is that word, perfecting of the saints to the work of the ministry. It is our job to train the church to do this, and that's the premise. This teaching is something we teach, and then they teach others. That's the premise. So that's what he's challenging us to do, to reach the lost, to disciple them. And here's the, here's the ultimate goal from it. If we do that, then years from now, you'll look back at a church that is healthy. It's going to be multi-generational because you are not just reaching young or just old. You're going to allow the older generation to, to mentor the younger generation. You're going to have a multi-generational church, uh, and it's going to be healthier because you are working in every aspect. You're also going to be reaching people, uh, newly saved people. This is the premise. This is the design God's got in place. And may we look at the Great Commission as more than just handing a track out or inviting somebody to church. May we see the full realm of what God wanted. And when we do that, then we can see God's church, the design of God's church, really complete what his intended purpose was. We do thank you for taking time to join us as we have gone now, I think it's 120, 122 episodes, going through the book of Matthew. Uh, we won't go as long as Jonah, obviously, so if you're following along with us live, we're kind of keeping up with us. Uh, tomorrow, we will jump into the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters, so obviously it won't take us near as long, but we will take our time as we walk through sections, and really the idea that when you look at Jonah, Jonah ran from God. What was it? What was it as a prophet that drove him to want to run away from God? What drove him to be so angry with God? What drove him to get put into a, the belly of a fish? It's going to be something to look at. So we're going to look at something that we know as a story we love to tell children. But let's look at the, the prophecy. Let's look at the connection to Jesus. Let's look at what we can learn from it. Join us tomorrow as we jump in to a new book. We appreciate the time you've given us and hope you'll stick with us again tomorrow.